You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How's it going, everyone? All right. David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Tony Groves. Evening, gentlemen. And special guest, Kyle Pendigraft. Howdy, everyone. Hey. Well, before we talk to Kyle Kyle today, uh, we'll tell you about our show. We welcome introduced to our listeners, uh, Kyle Pendigraft. Uh, Evan Pasoka will be dropping in. To help us cover this week's emotional iRacing Coke Series race and much, much more. But first, let me tell you about GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder is also a great resource to find paint designers and race commentators. Recently, they've been adding some great articles discussing various aspects of running leagues and sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all more reason to visit www.grid-finder.com. Visit GridFinder to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com. And welcome, Kyle, to Team Tafosi. How you doing? Oh, pretty good about your own. Well, we're certainly happy to, ha- and you know, have you join our team and uh, the show. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we want to get to know you a little bit, so let's start out at the beginning. What brought you to iRacing? When did you first hear about iRacing, and what did you do about it? Uh, well, started out. I'm a big NASCAR fan ever since. Oh gosh, late '90s. Uh, started out as a as a uh, Stewart fan. And uh, played a lot of console games, a lot of console NASCAR games, should I say. And here recently, just actually right about a year ago, I uh, built my first PC. And uh, with just the idea of just doing iRacing, uh, that's now turned into a lot more than just running some laps. Okay, so you're pretty new to the scene. Um, let's go over your stats so far. Uh, Oval. Uh, your winning percentage, 3.7%. That's pretty darn good, actually. Uh, road, 6.4, and dirt oval, 3.7. Uh, nothing yet on the dirt road side, but uh, I think you're an oval racer, right? Or you do both? Uh, oval and road. Uh, based on how many starts you have, it does look pretty equal. Yeah, I, uh, I started out just doing oval for the longest time, and then I finally decided to... Uh, just get out there on the road and see what I can do. And actually I found a pretty good love for it. Okay. So let's talk about what series are you normally running these days? Uh, for, I'll start out. You just started with NIS here uh, with us at Atlanta and, and boy, a P5 right off the bat. So well, nice run. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the NIS, of course, I'm, like you said, fairly new to iRacing itself. So I uh, can't say I run a lot of different series, 
on a regular basis. Uh, I ran a lot of NIS last year towards the end of the season. And then uh, actually I ran in the Daytona 24 hours. And so I really stuck with trying to run a lot of IMSA classes now and also some of the F3 uh, road courses. And of course, all three major NASCAR series. Okay, very good. So that's the official side. What about unofficial and league and stuff like that? Um, actually, I run in a couple different um, leagues right now. Uh, the first one I started out with was the IROC Challenge Series, uh, which is an IROC-themed league. Uh, we started out actually running like four different types of cars throughout the league. On Season 1 and Season 2, we went to running just the ARCA, and now with Season 3, we're transitioning over to the trucks. All of the vehicles are the same paints, just different colors with your name, and then... Um, same all fixed setup, and then from there we also created a second league for dirt that just started season one uh, two weeks ago called the IROC Challenge Dirt Series, and so I run that, and then of course I run the majors, but I'm not um, full force with it yet. Um, first season in started out uh, kind of just picking up some Sunday races here and there when they have them, so hopefully next year um, I'll plan to go full steam with it. Okay, cool. Let's talk. Let's switch gears and talk about your hardware setup. What do you got for like wheels, pedals? Uh, is it monitors or VR and that kind of stuff? Um, for my uh, hardware, I got for my wheel is the Sim Experience uh, Pro V2 direct drive wheel. Um, I also run the Fanatec Club Sport V3 pedals with the gas and brake mods already, and then a Thrustmaster TH8 shifter, and then an cheapo ebay handbrake so when you started you said you you built a computer and that was the first part did you get all this stuff right away or did you you know start with cheaper stuff and build up to this um well i bought my first wheel about three and a half years ago i bought a, a little 50 dollar. i'm sure you all have probably seen it, the thrustmaster ferrari set with the two pedals Started out on that for a little bit on a little fold-out uh, dinner tray and slowly started working my way up. I bought a, a Thrustmaster TX300 with the T3 pedals, and I ran that for a couple of years. And then I finally, this past, uh, actually right before Christmas, I purchased the wheel, the uh, the new uh, Sim Experience direct drive wheel. And then the pedals I bought just here recently. I was running the load cell pedals from Fanatec. Okay, VR, triples? Uh, run triples. I had VR for a little bit. I ran it for about two to three months and uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I liked the immersion of it, but I just couldn't have my overlays the way I wanted. So I ended up just going back to triples and I've been at it for probably the last six, seven months been this way now. What size are those monitors? Um, 27 inch. Uh, the center one is curved and then the other two are just flat 27 inch. Really? And do you have any issues with that at all? Because they're not the same make and model amongst all three? No. Um, actually, I was able to get the color settings and everything pretty much even on all three of them. Hard for the naked eye to really tell the difference. But the FOV doesn't look weird because they're like different kinds of monitors? No. Actually, I think it kind of helps with the curved middle and then just kind of flats on the sides. It works out pretty decent. You know, I never considered doing that, but that might be a good, great idea. It sounds like it works really well. What about software? What are you running besides the sim in the background? Of course, uh, 
TeamSpeak now, maybe Discord, but what else? Um, well, of course, I run all the overlays for iRacing, so I use sim racing apps uh, on top of caps, and sometimes I use race labs depending on what I'm racing and what kind of overlays I'm needing. Um, but that's really about the only other software I run, you know, that's tied in with uh, iRacing, should I say. Okay, so Kyle Pendigraph, what uh, attracted me attracted to me about what you're doing with your racing, and you've only been on, you know, not a short time is your streaming uh, page that you got going on Facebook called Loud Pedal Gaming, and uh, man, it, it's actually a pretty large uh, community you've got there. I think it's over 800 likes on the page and you had like regular viewers kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, I won't lie. It was a, uh, it was a tough start there for a while. I, mean, I would be lucky to get one or two viewers starting out, but uh, I got lucky and just started picking up a bunch of viewers and followers. And it's been great ever since. Um, I didn't know how well it worked out for me in the beginning, but I'm glad I stuck with it. Okay, and then hopefully you'll get some more exposure being on the team and the show here uh, uh, to grow it even more. So and we'll we'll get uh, your feed on uh, the Fossey page and the iRacers Lounge. So thank you, I appreciate that. All right, very good. Um, let's talk about uh, you know what else are are you planning for for the rest of twenty twenty one? I mean. We talked about you're going to start running uh, some more NIS with us. A lot of us on the team are running that. But uh, what else are you looking forward to coming up? Um, well, I can't. I was going to focus on running the Road to Pro, but one with my eye rating being so low, I knew it would almost be impossible. And two, with the uh, iRock Challenge series that I run, we run on Thursday nights, so it would have con uh, conflicted with the Road to Pro. So I'll probably spend. 2021 just really working on getting my i rating up uh try to get it up to the 3000 range and then come next year i'll work on actual road to pro yeah and we're starting to learn it's you know how to change setups and do that kind of stuff in the team as well so you'll pick up what you need well it's been fun getting to know you let's finish up with the final question here what is your most memorable i racing moment you've had so far um I would have to go back to, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was my very first ever win uh, on iRacing, and it was the uh, C-Class trucks. We were at Talladega, and I had gone back and forth with the lead between three or four different guys throughout the race and come down to the last race, and we were almost four to five wide and kind of staggered a little bit, and I ended up getting spun around, and I crossed the finish line backwards for the win. That was probably my most memorable win. And then just a month after being in the series or so, I mean, that's your hook, line, and sinker, right? You're you're with iRacing from that point forward, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, honestly, from the moment I set the tires on the track, I was hooked on iRacing. I mean, I've always been, like I said, a big NASCAR fan. So, And I grew up playing you know, like all the NASCAR games, so it was in me to, to get out there and do it. And I heard so much about iRacing. I was like, i got to get out there and do it. And it's been amazing ever since. Okay, Kyle Pendigraf, uh, thank you for joining our team. I look forward to racing with you some more. It's been fun so far. Uh, I think you're going to fit in real good, and we're, we're happy to have you on our show. Thank you. I appreciate that. First time winner.
Ashton Crowder final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaking. And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garrett Gonna look to the bottom. It is not gonna be enough. And Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. And Evan Pasoko, welcome. A little static there. Uh, kind of in and out. Uh, try again. All right. Was that better? Yeah, there you go. Okay. I always forget to uh, to reset the amp on the, the microphone setup. So that took a second. Sorry. Oh, about yeah. That. It was like distorted, like yeah. uh, Jimi right Hendrix the amp kind of thing. Something. Yeah. No preamp going. No. Well, welcome. Let's talk some Coke racing. It's been uh, a great week. We uh, Before the race, uh, iRacing put out a media guide, an official kind of media guide that a, a sports uh, entity would put out you know, that the, the media can get to and find, look up, you know, simple stats on the drivers, get a picture, um, information, you know, basic information. Uh, what do you think of that, Evan? That's kind of professional. Well, I'm a stat nerd, right? I tell you guys that always. So um, we had that up kind of all night long and, and was using that to to pull stats. You know, how many career starts does this guy have? How long has he been in the series? Um, I keep pushing for us to get like a, like a dedicated statistician so I don't have to have a trillion things going at once looking up these stats, but it's good to have uh, – that resource because every stat that we've used since is kind of in like our own unofficial stat guide in like an Excel sheet where I have, you know, every race winner from when and all that. So um, having it kind of in one central spot, I think makes our lives a lot easier. So hopefully uh, we can utilize some of that and, and bring more info um, to the broadcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting to kind of peruse through and it, you know, it, Again, just to put a face with a name, it, it really does a lot. Let's talk Atlanta. Uh, the Grand Marshal, to give the command, Juson Hamilton, who's the director of competition, I believe, with NASCAR. Again, NASCAR getting a real big tie-in with our Nick Coke Racing. Yeah, Juson's been with the series for, I think, about three years now, maybe two. Um, but I remember last year when they did the, the Media Day in Charlotte, Juson actually was there. Um, and he kind of hosted all the competition meetings with the drivers, he and Tyler Hudson. So Jason's very involved um, in the rule changes and procedure and that kind of stuff. So I agree with you. It's good to have somebody at NASCAR who, you know, isn't there to just kind of sign off on things and, you know, shuffle it across their desk, but actually to be involved. So, uh, you know, he sim races too. So I think that's a, a pretty cool fit. And we're trying to, you know, get some interesting people to talk to, Graham Marshalls and, you know, guests. You know, he let us talk to him a little bit pre-race and we were able to play that interview. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it's cool. I mean, Juson's super involved. So it's cool that he's not only, you know, competition on the iRacing side, but he also does the competition stuff with, you know, NASCAR as well, right? It's not an unrelated crossover. So uh, I think he has good insights. Yep. And the race uh, gets going uh, in the early part. It was DeJong, Leahy, Gann, Zelensky up front, uh, comfortably in the top four positions when it was 35 laps in. The 39-lap mark, uh, Logan Clampett was the newest member to the top five. His team member, Nick Ottinger, was working on getting P6 from John Gorlinski. Then the pro jump, the pro champ, Isaac Gann, takes second away from Keegan Leahy. Boy, Isaac was looking good. 
He was, and Parker was sweating. I know Parker was uh, live tweeting during the race, right? Because, you know, it's not the first time we've seen, you know, mainly 23-11 racing, right, um, with Keegan and, and Mitchell's start up front. But Mitchell has kind of struggled with that long-run race pace all season. So when he had the clean air, he was fine. Once he got cycled back on a restart, it kind of got a little bit more messy. I thought Isaac Gant was in a great spot, right? Turned out uh, by the end of the night, it wasn't meant to be. But, you know, for all the concerns that a lot of drivers had where, you know, they're thinking if this thing's got a bunch of yellows and a bunch of restarts, it's going to be a wild race. It's going to be hard to pass, right? Hard to set guys up. Fortunately, this race had a lot of green flag racing that we saw drivers able to come through the field. Drivers make mistakes, drop back, and even kind of bounce back from that. So um, while it may not have been the most thrilling, maybe, of races, I thought it was great because we had a lot of that strategy. And the green flag racing let these drivers you know, kind of experiment with those new lines um, and, and put it up against the wall in Atlanta. And, and for the most part, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, and as he was hunting down the leader, uh, Mitchell, um, caution came out. Bob Bryant and Zach Novak get together. Uh, Ray was also involved. Um, it was about lap 49. Pits were just about to start. Bryant said he wanted to pit. Novak says he didn't hear him. Uh, Mitchell gets the jump. Uh, but here, oh, that's the restart. But So, yeah, we had a caution finally. But like you said, after that, it was green. Yeah, and that, that mixed it up, right? Um, I think that it came down to, I think we mentioned that, that Zach had apologized because um, he, he didn't have his voice chat on uh, in the sim because he's like, you guys just talk too much about nothing that I can't deal with it in my ears. So he killed it. Um, and Bob only gave a heads up that he was pitting over voice chat and not text chat. So he had, you know, no clue. And, and Zach, you know, that's a mistake that, um, you know, he, he knows he should have made and he took responsibility for it. Um, but yeah, after that, caution free, right? Um, but that restart, Hurt Mitchell, you know, because he was able to hold the clean air. And, and I kind of had alluded to it there just a second ago um, on that first and only restart of the night. He kind of gets a little bit back in traffic and just kind of couldn't get back up there. Right. Other drivers were able to sit like fourth or fifth and get better over a run and make passes. But uh, once Mitchell fell off at the top spot, it, you know, first time in this series, still kind of learning how to manage the car and traffic and the tires and all that. So uh, it, it started to struggle at that point for him, certainly. Yep. Um, Logan Clampett was leader on lap 53. Um, battle for the lead on lap 63. Uh, Isaac Gann was all over Clampett's back bumper. But then in further in the back, it was contact. Derek Justice in the wall after getting into it with Ryan Luza. But they stay green. That's something we've seen all week at Atlanta, that if they spin down to the bottom, there's no caution. Yeah, I don't know if it's a specific, it'd be an interesting question to ask, um, you know, if, if there's like track specific boundaries that iRacing uses to calculate, you know, when those yellows come out and when they don't. Because you know some of the intermediates, um, you know, where there's a smaller apron, it feels like there's a little bit less of a, a, a leeway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't a huge wreck, but, but definitely two cars, pretty big wreck, but they were off of the uh, the racing surface. So so no yellow. We got away with a couple of those, right? There was other bits of contact later in the race where you know, two cars got together, got up into the fence or kind of checked things up. But that was kind of the, the biggest one that we got away with, if you will. And um, we've been seeing that all week. I know that even before the race on Tuesday, we were uh, spectating some of the Coke guys in, in some A open stuff before, just kind of seeing what they were doing, if that outside was really going to be an option. And that, you know, we noticed that trend as well that Atlanta was a track that was letting them get away with a little bit more than maybe some other places. Yep. And lap 75, uh, it was Clampett, Isaac Gann, Mitchell, uh, Zach Novak, Nick Ottinger, 
then Nichols uh, to third and brings Nick Ottinger with him on lap 81. Mitchell DeJong fades to P5 uh, at that point, 69 to go. Big wreck, Ashton Crowder and Brian Schoenberg into the inside wall, hard down the backstretch, but no caution again. Uh, we had a, one of those. And then it was like three wide uh, with the, the guy in the middle kind of gone wrong, and they kind of bounced off each other. Yeah, when you have, you know, and the thing is the point we made when you got pit cycles and, and you know, faster cars, slower cars. And, you know, Atlanta is not, uh, you know, like a Vegas. I think that Vegas, they were bunched up a little bit more and a little bit longer than what we saw um, on Tuesday night this week. But you're going to have those situations. And, you know, that's where the communication of the team stuff comes in so critically. And it's, it's tough because it ruined Ashton's night, right? Um wasn't necessarily in a spot to to fight for a win, but was kind of a mid-pack car trying to work his way forwards. And he's kind of one of two guys, uh, really, who drop out of this race entirely. Um, so a tough break for him. And, and in his case, I don't think a yellow would have helped him, right? That car was uh, pretty torn up, but it, it certainly put Schoenberg down on the back seat, And I think he finished off of the lead lap. Yep, uh, 64 to go. Isaac makes another run at Clampett. It was a battle for the lead. Uh, 58 to go. Some green flag stops are starting. Uh, it was Keegan Leahy pitted on uh, 59 to go, and, and that really kicked off that final cycle. Nick uh, came in at 58. Um, lead changed at 57 to go. Isaac finally gets the lead as Clampett goes to pit road. Uh, and then 55 to go, Gann, uh, and then Mitchell uh, cycled to the lead at that point. But after everything uh, cycled, it was Nick Ottinger over Logan Clampett and Keegan Leahy when all was said and done. And I think Nick only had hit his tires maybe one lap older than Logan. It was a one or a two lap difference. So it wasn't a ton, right? And that's why I was kind of surprised that uh, when that all cycled through and, and Nick had a little bit of an advantage, but Logan was within a second um, after they cycled out. And, and I thought that, you know, even though they're teammates that, that maybe Nick was going to put a little bit more pressure on Logan there for, for the pass for the lead and, you know, what, what would eventually become the pass for the race win. But uh, he held pretty strong, right? I thought the way that Logan would, would drive around him, I figured, you know, he's checking out and he's gone. But uh, Nick tried to keep it interesting. And then at that point, the the big question to Mark Wright was, was Isaac Ann going to be able to catch him? Yeah, and we had some interesting replays of uh, people getting on gr uh, pit road for the green flag stops. And it's really hard at Atlanta to slow down because the, the speed commitment line is so close to the track. And uh, we saw Corey Vincent get a commitment line violation. He ended up in the grass, all four wheels. But that was fun. Yeah, there was, and he wasn't the only one. I think everybody was was kind of locking up the tires and, and smoking them onto pit road. Corey uh, ended off in the lawn, and, and that's why he ended up with the penalty. But there was kind of everybody who was struggling. And you're right, because that, that line is so close to the exit of turn number four, so that all these guys, you look back to that incident with Novak earlier in the race, you can't really just get down to the apron and then get on the binders, right? you got to be slowing down in that groove. And then it's always tricky when you make that transition down for the banking to the flat of the racetrack and... There were guys in the you know first one or two, three pit stalls that had to check things way up because they couldn't take a normal pit road entry. You can't enter pit road in the middle and get to the left in time, right? So they had to really back things up, and it caused a little bit of chaos on track and yeah, had cars spinning out into the pit wall. And, and again, through all of that chaos, like the other two wrecks that you mentioned that didn't bring a yellow, none of that uh, ended up hindering the race because none of it uh, triggered a yellow. But uh, pit road 
in a run where you have, you know, uh, a huge green flag run to the end of the race ends up being the deciding factor in, in who's in a position to win this race or not, or for the guys mid-pack, if they're in a bit of lead to, to fight for a spot, or if you have a guy like Corey Vincent who you know, gets penalized and, and kind of ruins his race. Yeah, lap 121, what ended up being the pass for the win, Logan Clampett got around Nick Ottinger fairly well. Uh, Nick said after the race, uh, you know, better tires, but we have the same set kind of thing. Um, but it wasn't really, like you said, one or two lap better tires, but uh, Logan just blew right by him. Yeah, it was it was a very minor difference. It's not like Logan had 10 lap better tires and, you know, came f- flying up from three seconds back. I mean, they were pretty even at that point and they were even afterwards. I think in hindsight, you know, maybe Nick's going to think, all right, if I had, you know, maybe held the bottom, because that's the line that, that Logan was running and made the pass pretty easily. Uh, you know, maybe he thinks, hey, if I take that line away and make him work just a little bit harder, make him work four or five laps for it, right? Maybe then if they balance out like they ended up doing, Nick's in front, not Logan, and it works out in his favor. But it's a teammate. You're not really going to put him on him. And at the end, you know, Logan was able to stretch a good gap anyways. But you know, it's teammates. Uh, Nick Ottinger's not stressed about throwing blocks on, on Logan Clampett to get the uh, the win there. So they worked well. They kind of rode one, two. And, and like I said, at that point, they were about two seconds ahead of Isaac Gann, but then everybody else was like five seconds back, right? So so those Byron cars really nailed uh, the pit cycle as well because it wasn't a five-second gap going into pit stop. So uh, they picked up significantly. Yeah, and Isaac Gann running third, all of a sudden pitting for a pass-through penalty. And uh, possible connection issues as well, I heard. But I'm not sure if that was a pit road penalty or what. But but what a heartbreak because uh, he was definitely having the race of his life. And at that point in a race where, you know, there really weren't – there was the one yellow um, and I think only really one DNF to that point maybe, that was it, right? Um, I don't know if it was a penalty – um, if it was an issue with this, you know, connection problem or what, but he came down pit road, even if he had gone back out on track, you lose a lap, you're at, you know, last place um, because there were so few cars that had dropped out of the race that that was it. So out of nowhere, kind of, we didn't even see it right away. I was just looking at timing and scoring and I realized Isaac's gone and, uh, you know, kind of rewinded it back a couple of laps and like, oh, he, so he pitted from third. And at that point, you know, uh, you got clamping at Ottinger five plus seconds uh, ahead of everybody else and then it's just you know that that nerve-wracking kind of ticking down hoping that the the at least if you're the guys up front you know hoping that uh it stays green um because at that point it was theirs to lose uh, by a mile yeah and it was 25 to go it was clampett ottinger stephen wilson zach novak mike conti um the lead margin was about one and a half seconds at 16 to go uh the five to go we got to do we did watch a battle for 10th um, it was Casey uh, Kerwin uh, all over Bobby Zelensky, but uh, it stayed green, and Logan Clampett takes his first uh, Coke win of the season, third of the career. And uh, I think what was interesting, Evan, was his reaction to it uh, as he came across the line. Yeah, the you know the the stat that I pulled and, and everybody liked it because it ended up on all the articles was he snapped the 44 race winless drought. But for him, and you heard it um, when Tim talked to him, was obviously how emotional it's been to get his first win away from home, right? Um, moving literally across the country uh, to move in with Michael Conti to continue to kind of pursue this dream of, of being a top esports athlete and trying to step into the NASCAR world a bit. And you know, that uh, that's a lot. Uh, for him to have, you know, gone through and, and, you know, he said it that his friends have become his family, you know, a good support system uh, out there in North Carolina, but it's not home. Right. Um, so he mentioned that his family was watching and, and that's, 
you know, this goes back to the conversations, guys, that we've had a lot on this, right? Looking back to, you know, when, when Novak won the championship and we had the driver cam on that. And, and to the point that you made earlier with the media guide and having pictures of everybody, I mean, just seeing someone's face makes it a lot more personal. Um, and it was great to see Logan win. He's, you know, he's had a lot of ups and downs. He's a great sim racer. Um, and, and I think he's matured a lot as well in the last few years. So uh, he's in to the playoffs. I say in, but if, if we keep getting a different winner every week, who knows if uh, winning it will actually lock you in. But uh, yeah, the, the roommates, right? He joined his, uh, his buddy Conti there with a win. So those two are, are looking good. William Byron Esports is looking good. And uh, it was awesome to see Logan uh, get back into victory lane. Yeah, he's always one of those top guys, but he just didn't have a lot of wins. And when you said only three wins, I'm like, well, really? Is it really only I, that I had many? to double check it several times, right? Because I was like, only? Really? So, uh, yeah, I yeah, went back and he only had two prior. And it was also interesting that they he doesn't really have like a niche, right? Like his wins have now come at all three very different racetracks as well. So uh, I think it goes to show you how kind of well-versed and, and versatile he is maybe. Uh, as a driver to to be able to have speed kind of no matter where you go and uh so Ottinger teammate second zach novak great run for him to knock the monkey of bad luck off uh, mike conti then steven wilson again performing very well as a rookie brad davies keegan leahy ryan luza casey kerwin and garrett mains wrapped around off the top 10 and casey's someone who's been like a little bit quiet. I'm not going to say that he's he's been a sleeper or anything, right? But uh, I think Casey's the highest guy in the points right now without a win. Um, to the point that I just made, if we keep seeing different winners, and it's good this year, right? It's a little bit of a shorter season, so there's two less opportunities for a different person to win, right? 14 regular season races versus 16, and we bump up the playoff spots from 8 to 10. So it makes it a little bit more likely than it has ever been, especially over last year, that there's going to be spots on points. But you're four weeks in, you got four of the ten filled, right? So it's important to be a guy like Casey, if you're not going to win him, to be in the top five, to be in the top ten, to get those points and kind of lead that non-winners group because you have to figure there's going to be a few on points. I still think there's going to be at least one or two, but it could be tight. Um, but but Casey Kerwin's been the best without a win, so it'll be good to see if that second exit car can uh, you know get a win and make himself feel a little bit better as well. Yeah, points. Casey Kerwin's uh, six ahead of Keegan Leahy for, as a leader. Then Clampett in third. Luza fourth. Conti fifth. Wilson sixth. Chris Sherburn seventh. Michael Guest eighth. Nick Ottinger ninth. And Jake Nichols, Brad Davies tied for tenth. Yeah, there's some names up there, right, that uh, I think have had a, a hotter start than maybe they were anticipating. And there's some of the bigger names. You know, I, I don't want to say that the the big names don't mean much these days, but. Uh, it's kind of hard to go into a season guaranteed when you have half the field being guys coming through uh, the eNASCAR Road to Pro Contender iRacing series that are, you know, you can't dismiss those guys anymore, right? Um, some of them are guys that dropped down, came back up. Others are, you know, making their debuts, uh, you know, nearly a quarter of the field, I think, rookies. So uh, there's a ton of, of people chomping at the bit. So when I, I was about to say, and I caught myself, you know, there's a lot of big names in the teens and the low 20s that I think would come back around. But who knows, right? I mean, these guys, so I say maybe you're just having a hot start. They may just be that good, right? Um, we'll see how we get a little bit deeper into the year. And uh, now that we've seen a good sample of a couple different tracks, right? I mean, a lot of intermediates. I'm interested once we go short track racing um, to see if any of that changes or balances out at all. But, um, you know, it's going to be a fun year. And, and we're only four weeks in, but it feels like uh, the season's kind of flying by. There's a lot of uh, new, new names and new teams, I should say. 
um, kind of up and in the mix. So I think it's uh, going to be good and, and can't wait to get back at it in two weeks. Okay, real quick. And then the heartbreak, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, Dead Zone was kind of out to launch, it seems, and Ray Afala, he was fighting for last at one point. Yeah, and, and you know, those aren't situations we're used to seeing, right? Um, and that's why I was going to say you expect them to bounce back, right? I mean, you have a guy like Ray who has a bad year, goes down to the Contender Series, and there's a little bit of a seed at the back of your mind, like, like could it happen, right? Could he drop out completely? And then he waxes him. But at this point, we're, we're so many years now into this kind of racing with the cup package that I'm not sure how valid the excuse can be anymore of, I just don't like this racing, right? I mean, it's not what you've won championships on, and we get that, but... You know, naturally, I think in the first year or two, some people it's just going to adapt better to their driving style. But at this point, you got to figure it out, right? Um, and there's so many resources. You talk about a team like Dead Zone that's got so many cars at this level and a level down as well. Um, they they just got to find something. And, and I don't know where that difference comes from. Uh, but if, if they have yet another uh, disappointing season, then uh, I can only imagine what what those conversations will be like. Because not that. You know, those teams can get complacent, but to the point that I had just made where you got all these people chomping at the bit and coming in um, just because you've been around for six, seven years, just because you're one of the biggest and most recognizable teams doesn't mean uh, you're promised anything. So it's a little bit jarring watching those cars and you know they're fighting for 35th and 36th. I'm looking, there's no damage on them, right? What's the issue? Um, it could just be kind of the new world that we're in for this series that uh, it's kind of the Wild West. That's right. We got to run the races and see what happens. Well, next week, Ashton Crowder is coming back as the defending winner at Auto Club. Well, not next week, in two weeks on March 30th. Uh, tell us real quick what you think is going to happen there. Well, you know, it's maybe the last time that we see this Auto Club, right? Um, you know, the, the two mile oval is, is not on the NASCAR schedule this year. And depending on a timelines of whenever the new one gets built and you know there's that mock-up of it in iRacing because they actually used iRacing to kind of play around with different layouts of how they wanted to build the short track there um depending on how long that takes to actually get made and if auto club ends up on the schedule next year it's kind of one of those tracks that is on and off when you, when you got a michigan as well could be the last time we see a race there right um it's been a race where you mentioned crowder race winner we saw eric smith win a year before right so it's been a race where other people can get into victory lane and it's something new right i mean homestead vegas and atlanta they've got their own characteristics yes but at the end of the day it's still three intermediate tracks right so we'll see what happens when we can get to a bigger track we'll see how the uh you know if the the variable lines and how i race it is messed with the track surfaces and all that is a factor at a two-mile oval. Uh, a lot of questions, but it's something different. And I think that we'll learn more next week than maybe what we learned uh, this past week in Atlanta. All right, very good. Well, Evan Pasoko, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Good to have you back in the booth where you belong uh, this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Happy to, uh, happy to be back and not locked away. So uh, we'll catch you guys in two weeks. Cool. Last race win came in 2018 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. A couple of team changes since then, and he's going to end a 44-race winless drought. Final time at a turn number four. It means a lot to him. Logan Clampett wins at Atlanta.
All right, we got some more races to talk about. How about the Super Cup All-Star Race? Um, our good old Indy, real, or not in real life, but IndyCar Racing League driver, uh, Tony Kanaan takes it home to the top of the podium in, the, in his first actual Super Cup All-Star Race. Um, and his tweet here, or the tweet from iRacing, has hashtag never not racing. This guy is on here a lot. I've been in a lot of uh, Euro Sprint Series races with him as well. He killed them too. Yeah, he. Um, you, you remember he he bought that um, custom wheel that that was super cool. I forgot what brand it was, but it was awesome. And uh, yeah, he's been he's been on iRacing a whole lot ever since he joined. Right after the pandemic started. He um he did benefit in that race from a last place finish in the uh, sprint race before that. Him and Emily Smith actually got into it in the sprint race, and he actually because of the inversion, he actually started up front and he just drove away from everyone. Then after that, they ran the big one, right? Yeah, right after that was the uh, Super Cup, the uh, Porsche uh, Tag Heuer Super Cup Series, and uh, the double win goes to Sebastian Job, who uh, wins the sprint race, uh, gets inverted to eighth place in the main feature, and winds up winning that one too. Uh, it was a really interesting race, uh, a really close finish at the end with him and Alejandro Sanchez finishing second. Um, but the the cool thing, it was a really good battle for the last three or four laps between those two. They the who had actually pulled away from the rest of the field. They were playing kind of cat and mouse. Um, Sebastian Job was winning with three laps to go ahead of uh, Sanchez, and basically going down the Kemmel straight, the long straight, um, shortly after the uh, start-finish line, um, he actually, it, it almost looked like he just let him go. And so, so Sanchez took the lead lap, and then with one lap to go, he used the draft. Sebastian Job used the the draft on the Kemmel straight to retake the lead on the very last lap, and uh, they were just fighting. And uh, Sebastian, you could tell he was just setting up, um, setting up that last lap pass by uh, being able to use a, a strong draft going down that long straight. And uh, it was really good racing, smart racing by Sebastian Job. Uh, <clears throat> Sanchez gave him as much as he could give him to try to try to take that take that uh, win back. But, um, but uh, Sebastian holds on to get the double win. Um, in the sprint race before that, uh, actually, uh, it was interesting because uh, Mitchell DeJong won the uh, pole and second place in the uh, – qualifying was was uh the points leader um and uh josh rogers and they actually took each other out um Damn. just after the chemo straight going into that first right hand right teammates, hand right? turn it, teammates from vrs yeah. and uh the top two point leaders in the series took each other out uh, it, it it was described as a as a small mistake by um by mitchell DeJong that 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 created that issue and uh they were both of them were out of the out of the race. Um, they started in the back of the main feature because of that. Never really got back up to like twentieth place for the two of them. So not too many points. But but if you remember, uh, Josh Rogers has a huge lead and still carries a big lead going into round eight next week. So who likes tic tac toe? There's never a winner, right? No. Well, and this is an interesting. I, I, I was trying to find. Um, more of the details on it, but uh, a, t- a tweet here from the iRacers iRacing dot com said that they've teamed up with Nitro Circus for a game of tic tac toe, uh, which is going to be three wild or three weeks of three wild races 
Um, uh, so I guess starts next Tuesday. It wasn't this week, right? It was next. It's next Tuesday. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of cool prizes. So I guess they're going to have all these random tracks and car combinations, which looks like they could be some uh, interesting, uh, interesting events. Yeah, you got the LMP cars take on the world's fastest speedway, and then you have the dirt street stock uh, go flying on the world short course track, the wild short course tracks, and then Pro 2 trucks on the tricky Japanese road course. So there's no, like, actual, like, the way that they're saying this, there's, you just got to get three wins. It's not like a, a board that you got to... I think if you participate, you know, I don't... What you you get a chance at prizes and you run all three. Well, I would guess based on the flyer that it's more like bingo, right? You if you get if you happen to get three in a row, actually on like kind of a, almost like a bingo card. Tic tac toe. I was trying to I was trying to find the card like or something like that. I wonder if there's something missing here. That well, if you click join the league, it actually takes you to the official iRacing page league page of for this Nitro Circus League and. Sure enough, the button is active. You can actually apply for this league and run it. I've been wanting to see how the LMPs behave on a big oval. It'd be interesting, but like I said, you'd only be able to use the Porsche because the, <laughs> the, the Porsche would have a huge advantage because yeah, Audi was constantly be building up. And then it, you know, it becomes really strategic because because like, when do you use it? Do you save it? You know, do you kind of use it a little bit each lap just to kind of keep towards the front? Because that actually comes into play when you're running a regular LMP race. Uh, I've been in a few battles where we're, we're literally like, which one of us is going to be at 0% battery coming to the checkered? All right, let's throw the new guy to the wolves. Kyle, tell us about the next story. All right, looks like we got here. The Indy Car Series has put up a poll on Twitter. Um, here it says, where will season two of the Indy at iRacing Challenge conclude? Uh, you have a decision between Kentucky Motor Speedway, Phoenix, Sonoma, and Sebring. Um, I know me, I'm partial to Kentucky Motor Speedway as it's a home track to me, basically. So I don't know about you all. I voted Phoenix. That's a home track, baby. David, I'm guessing probably Sebring. Uh, love me some Sebring. I'd, I'd probably go for Sebring or Sonoma. i just like to see them on another road course. Yeah, I'm kind of partial. I mean, I like the oval, but at the same time, I'm with you on the road course. Well, they posted up the uh, the actual driver uh, uh, who's participating in it, and there's some pretty big names here, that, like really good names that uh, they're going to participate in it. And uh, I look forward to actually watching this because uh, it's what three weeks, right? Is what it is. It's yeah, I think it's three two, weeks two races in a row. And then the voted one. Yeah, one of them is the vote. The last one is the one that we vote on. But yeah, they're all IndyCar drivers. There's a guy. Uh, Braden Eves, who's from Road to Indy, but other than that, they're all regular IndyCar drivers, pretty much. So, and the other thing is, uh, I guess we're looking up. We're about a month out from the actual IndyCar series, so they're kind of promoting this for the next couple weeks here, so that uh, they can get some exposure for the NTT IndyCar series as well here before they go to Barber uh, Motorsport Park. Do you think NASCAR kind of forced their hand when NASCAR announced their next Pro Invitational? You know that the that they're going to be doing a a broadcasted package and stuff for their real drivers and you know IndyCar you know they're going to feel left out if they don't do it. I think it's just the next trend that and the next uh, bus that everybody's trying to hop on, right? 
Well, the, the Indian guys are doing it leading up to the start of their season, and NASCAR is doing it after the season's already been going for a little while. True. Yeah, and I guess I see it as they're just trying to promote and bring people, you know, some exposure to the IndyCar series because that car is pretty fun to, to go at these tracks. And, and Montreal is not a track that they uh, race at. Uh, what was the second one? I'm trying to remember what the second race was. But anyways, um, so they just, uh, they're just promoting for uh, this week. Uh, that's actually tonight, isn't it? It's yeah, actually it's already over. On right now. It's over, yeah, sorry, I the think, Montreal race. I was trying to see who won it, but I don't know yet. Is, uh, isn't Homestead next week on that? Is it Homestead? Okay, that, that would make sense. I know it's an oval, but I, I thought it was Homestead. That's another nice track to race those cars on, especially with the the old the uh, their aero package there. So I got late breaking news. It's Alex Palo wins the IndyCar iRacing Challenge race one at Montreal. Live and late breaking. I butcher that name, Palo. It's Palo. All right, let's talk another big name. And David, I was thinking you should just record this and put it on a button. Because I've read this story probably a million times on this show. Ty Majeski wins in the iRacing paint. <laughs> this time the super late model is backed in victory lane in his fourth win at the Rattler 250 in the South Alabama Speedway. He's a machine. Hey, man. Yeah. He's, he is hard to beat in the super late models, man. He is just on point. He's winning all the big races too. It's just not your local races. He's winning the snowball derbies and winning the Rattlers. Um, so he he is on point on that super late model. I hope he gets a better chance at racing some more uh, NASCAR series stuff. Well, the Rattler 250 that's a big race in that community, and this is his fourth win in that one. Well done. Uh, everybody in here, we're all employed at the moment, right? Yep. Yeah, I uh. I wouldn't be able to apply for any of these jobs anyway. My degree is nowhere, nowhere near it. But we do have four different jobs that are open at iRacing. They have them all posted. I took a, a glance through them. I'm not going to dive too deep into the requirements. If you're really interested, you could probably guess what that's going to be based on the title. I, it does look like all four of these jobs require you to be able to be uh, located in Massachusetts, though some of them say hybrid. So I don't know if that might mean that that position might be something along the lines of what Christian Chandler does now, where he doesn't have to be in in the U.S. even to he just has to have a visa to be allowed to work for them, but he doesn't actually have to be located here. But we have environment artist, senior web engineer, software en engineer slash programmer, and VFX artist. They're all posted. Wow! And if that's your industry, I mean, that'd be a fun job to get for sure. It's interesting that they got an environmental artist. I don't know. I don't know how many different positions they've had in general before, because you know, an environmental artist kind of the trees and mountains trees. and grass, right? But you know, like we were saying last week when um, they were talking about uh, uh, Hockenheim and it was being scanned, and it's a lot of the environment stuff on the outside. Maybe it's something like this to try and spruce up some of those things if they get don't have their proper scans and pictures taken. Maybe I don't know. Well, it, it may be that they're just expanding that department, or maybe somebody within the department went somewhere, right? It could just be an opening. Let's hope they're expanding. 
So guys, uh, you remember before the before the Coke series started, they Malik Ray had the video of um, him promoting his new ride, where he pulled up in a car and dropped his uh, rowdy car his T-shirt out the window right in front of Joe Gibbs Racing and moved on to his new new uh, ride. And we were wondering, yeah, is he is he burning his bridges with uh, Kyle Busch and and Joe Gibbs Racing? Well, apparently not. Because he actually contacted Kyle Busch a few days ago and asked him how much it would be to get an autographed helmet from uh, Kyle Busch. And just one showed up at his door, uh, already signed. Nope, you know, he didn't charge him nothing. He just sent it right to him. So uh, uh, Malik Ray posted on his Twitter, you know, this uh, some video of this helmet that he received from Kyle Busch. And he was really excited. So it doesn't look like uh, any bridges were burned. Everybody's pretty cool with how everything went down. Now, Kyle didn't see the video. I was going to say the next video that Malik, Malik Ray can post now, he can uh, um, he can pull up to uh, Joe Gibbs Racing or whatever and uh, and throw the helmet at a car. Right? To do the Tony, Stewart, to do Tony Stewart throw the helmet at Bristol kind of the <laughs> moment. Well, you would think that Kyle Busch of anyone would totally get, you know, Malik's uh, video just – pumping viewers right it's just a little you know a little controversial type thing but it's you know if if anyone's gonna get it kyle bush would get it you're right pretty neat looking helmet i'd love to have that by the way i suppose if kyle really wanted to rib him he could just call him malik there you go that's exclusive to mike there you go <laughs> well it's uh something else that's been exclusively added to uh, iRacing here um the imsa leaderboard lights um brian simpson um posted on the forums uh with the addition of the proper imsa branding uh to the cars and the official imsa sports car series the leaderboard light system has been added to each car unfortunately there isn't any easy way as a painter to see the locations of the leaderboard since you have to go to the official session for them to appear so david i'm not sure have you noticed uh, these yet? Like I'm, I, I haven't been in any of those series yet since uh, well, this came out. I'm not sure if he's talking about the first, second, and third place lights that light up. Those those little circles that light up if you're in the podium position. Right. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So leaderboard but think, lighting, but it's supposed to be a painted area they're talking about here too. So that's why I'm kind of like a little bit. Well, yeah, it gets confused are, on the template. The lights go on the side of the car, but. Um, what he's saying is, you can't when you're painting, you can't see where those lights are. But uh, I believe in the Ferrari paint, you could. But it's either that or it's only in the in the nine one nine. I'd have to go back and look at my paints, but I've seen those lights lit up before uh, in the Euro, either the Euro series or IMSA. So I don't know if this is something new or if it was something that was only in Euro series and has now been added to IMSA. I thought it was already working before. Um, there also is a note here uh, in the post as well. The Porsche 991 RSR has been updated to add the missing IMSA car to Calair. So um, looks like uh, he's uh, hopes to see uh, everyone's painted uh, liveries here coming soon. Now, I don't know if it changed many of these liveries afterwards, but uh, there's a whole bunch of new zip files that were created for each car. So get your updated files. All right. So we got here... Uh... I'm sure all of y'all have heard uh, the name Marcus Lemonis here lately in the news of NASCAR. Uh, he's been making a lot of waves in the actual NASCAR scene. Now he's making waves in the iRacing scene. Um, 
little bit post here says $20,000 prize money to the top three best at Camping World designers. Uh, you work hard for all of us. Must enter using hashtag Camping World winner. I'll select the top six. The fans will pick the winner. Um, so basically, uh, in iRacing, if you run their uh, their scheme on your truck they uh, and you use the little hashtag, send in the picture uh, through the hashtag, you're entered for a chance to win $20,000 grand prize. So last week it was, uh, he'll pick everyone who, who ran the paint would get a hundred dollar gift card. Right. I believe and, so. And in, in a drawing to win an RV. And now it's changed into, if you just provide a paint, if you just make a paint and submit a paint, we're going to pick a best paint and 20,000 prize to the best paint. Now, Bob, our teammate, Bobby Jonas is, uh, actively entered this yeah, contest actively and he's, he's, uh, <laughs> and he's done a hell of a paint i love it I hope he wins but uh how cool is that i mean uh we need more companies like camping worlds and we need more ceos like marcus limonis don't we it's a cool uh idea because obviously it's not really it doesn't cost anybody to go and paint these things up right it's kind of just a go have fun use the sim and and, and it draws attention to it too right well, it's a grassroots kind of thing, and you know, you you get individuals involved, and and uh, you know, look at all the the publicity that Marcus has gotten over this in the last couple of weeks to draw attention to Camping World. And if he wasn't doing that and ponying up that money, I mean, he, he wouldn't get that money. He's probably getting bank return on it. Now we we don't have a Camping World. Uh, company here like in in canada is i'm guessing it's pretty big in the states there right yeah i think they're the biggest rv dealer there is rving has really taken off lately so i'm gonna jump any, in any word quick. that he's going to use any of these into an actual truck i don't think you have to actually run it i just think you have to submit the paint i think brian's saying you think he's going to use it maybe um in the truck series is that what yeah you're there was another tweet i saw from him that indicated you might be uh, submitting for a job with him. Like he'll hire you if if you win this contest. Bobby would love that. So I did check my paints as well. Uh, the templates for the prototypes, you can tell with the grid lines where the where the three dots are. But I don't. I couldn't tell on the Ferrari. So that's probably something that's in the new templates. Well, how about a tire glitch? Or well, Ray Alfala found one. Uh, Apparently, his tires uh, get narrow when you reach around 20 mile per hour. And then if you slow down, the, the tires go back. So maybe it's just overheating the tires or we not getting enough out, heat in them. You just figured out why he ran last at Atlanta. It's those little tires. It was like my comment this afternoon when we were watching the uh, video of the new gen car. The 18-inch the rims didn't look kind of right in the back of the car it looks like they needed to be a wider side it kind of does the same thing with this car so if you look at the video that he's posted here you look at the distance between the goodyear eagle and the fender you know it's like really close like a normal nascar they get that fender really close like within an inch right but as he rolls off pit road the tire is suddenly becomes narrow and that one inch goes to five or six inches and so it's like the, the tire just magically goes narrow. It's weird. Now, my question is on this glitch, is it just the front tires alone or is it all four? I don't, I don't see, see it on the back. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't tell too much for the back. And also, is it just graphic, or did it actually affect the handling? Well, let's just hope it was for his sake. I, I'd like to see if anybody else was able to capture the same thing here at Atlanta, right? Like, is it proprietary to a track, too? Or is it proprietary to Ray? <laughs> <laughs> if, if not, he's going to want his position back for uh, <laughs> that race the other day. Okay, I got this one. Delara IR01 at Summit Point. And guys, I bought the track. I bought the, the car, and I've been racing it uh, week 13. And then I did a, some official racing as well. But this video that iRacing put up on the Twitter of week 13 of the Delara at Summit Point, uh, when there were other slower cars on the track, this shows you what an incredible car this is and just how fast it is. I mean, it's it's so incredibly fast. I've been having so much fun with it. In fact, I'll probably be racing it tonight at Watkins Glen. Well, you even uh, you even convinced uh, a returning teammate, Mike Worley, to get in it the other day. Yeah, um, I'm glad he did that, so I I could get a perspective of what to a decent lap time and stuff. And he even uh, gave me a short video of a, of the lap, so I could see. Uh, what his breaking points were and such, but uh, that helped. And uh, I haven't finished a race at Watkins Glen in the, uh, this week. I've done a couple <laughs> in wrecked, but uh, I'm learning the car and my road IRR has taken a hit, but I don't really care. Mike, what was your first impression when you first got behind the wheel of that? I said it in the chat. I said, it sounds like a freaking blender was my first impression. Uh, the second was it's like driving a jet car. It's got so much power and so much grip that you don't come away from it thinking I need more horsepower and I need more grip. You don't get that impression at all. So if you've been driving here for a couple days now, is there anything that you can see why the participation kind of went down on it? Uh, it's hard. Or is it, it's is hard, it just hard, because hard. of the, the difficulty of it? You can't you can't make mistakes. It's so fast that if you make a mistake, you're off and you're dead. You know, and so yeah, there's no recovery on that car. Right, there's nothing because it's so fast. And uh, but it's fun, and I'm gonna give it a shot this season too, and just run all the races. Even if I have to buy the track, I think I'm gonna run it. Um, why not? I I had tell everybody run this car. I think you should buy it. I think that there's something very exhilarating in running the what I would consider the fastest car on the service um, that just, just can you handle it? Can you, you know, hold it down and go through that fast corner without lifting? It's got a ton of down, downforce guys. And it's amazing. The limit of the car, the limit is really the driver, not the car. Love it. I'll take the next one. We got listener Jose Benales. He sent in um, a announcement for the endurance racing league and they're hosting a money race the first of the year on may 1st 7 eastern p.m it's in the gander trucks at daytona fix set up 100 laps if there's if you want more information send a league request to 6373 that's that league in iRacing. the driver fee is ten dollars and you can pm jose to uh, submit the payment and get your name and number set on the the lineup list so if you like doing the money races check this one out it may even have races and heats. Endurance Racing League, pretty cool. You need to get on GridFinder, but hey, if you're a listener, we're going to talk about your stuff. So just you could always send us uh, story ideas at iracerslounge at gmail.com. 
<clears throat> so guys, if you're racing the uh, NASCAR 87 Legends or the Street Stock, apparently they have been crashing and uh, crashing back to your desktop. So uh, iRacing Support tweeted out uh, a message to everyone that saying that, they, that they're aware of this situation and uh, they're, they're working on fixing it up right now. So, uh, yeah, it seems like for some reason, the 87 Legends and Street Socks are only one of the fastest. It has to do with new damage model. Yeah. I got you. Could you imagine uh, being entered in a race and getting kicked right back to your desktop? Like your IR could just take a huge hit. Well, they actually posted in this. This is unusual for them to post something like this. Um, but they also posted in the forums. Hey, run these races at your own risk because they're known to crash right now until they get the patch out. So they're basically telling you to stay away. Right. All right. Monday night racing. Uh, in a in a great finish of the Monday night racing league at Auto Club in California, Anthony Alfredo held off Andres Crone uh, on a final lap to take the win and what appears to be a last second pass right down the front stretch. Yeah, what a battle it was to watch uh, for one. But Anthony Alfredo, man, he's just on fire on iRacing right now. He's everywhere on it because I follow him on Twitch, and every time he, you know I get a notification, like once a day, he's on and ready to. He's going to race. Like it's it's crazy how active he is. He's got somebody putting up videos for him on YouTube as well. He's got, he's got a whole Discord community. Good for him. He found a. Uh, a platform to work off of and and it's working for them you know and you have enough of that following and it, it can sustain uh enough of a draw to help you get sponsors for the real life racing as well yeah it all works out together um i'm just amazed he has enough time as a full-time cup driver to, to pull it off i think something to do with the lack of qualifying and things like that helps them right so it says here on our notes that gig is going to go over our season two patch one gig I guess that's me without an R. Um, <laughs> I guess title the, title. <laughs> I guess it just had a couple uh, a couple updates here uh, for the season patch one. Um, some three D modeling fixes, and it looks like a little bit of the AI stuff was fixed. Um, one of the favorite things that I think that they added uh, for this build is the smoke uh, cloud brightness has been adjusted. So the smoke in general has been updated, but uh, I kind of like that. And then just fix some bugs uh, with the results uh, section too. So it's just a quick patch and fix things that have been found from the, from the uh, big build. Now I'll go back on that smoke. Um, Cause it, they went with the smoke and the, uh, the dust on the dirt tracks. And I will say that the dust on the dirt track is actually pretty overwhelming during a race. It is extremely hard to see, which, I mean, I will say it's like real life dirt racing on, you know, a fairly dry track. So you can really see the big difference there in a dirt track. Yeah. And this patch I think was really about disabling the new damage model for the 87 car and the street stock. Um, so those series can continue without crashing. So that was a big part of it as well. But this is why they have week 13. Everyone's a little confused about how a software cycle works. Um, these guys per have it perfected to a T where you develop software for a 12-week period to have it released on the 13th week. And during that week, you fix the bugs that are found uh, after the release and uh, get them out as soon as possible. And that's what they're doing. All right. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've 
come across here recently is Junior Motorsports announces that Dale Jr. will be racing in the Pro Invitational uh, on the first race at Bristol, which uh, actually is coming up here, uh, what, next week, guys? And he's going to be racing in the Degree car, and it looks like to be the 88, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Well, that confirms they're uh, taking other drivers besides active drivers. I was going to say it's an interesting... uh sponsor to have for something he i guess that he's never really had is that that is a sponsor i'm wondering where that came from it's got to be a junior motorsports sponsor or some you know they're probably, probably, in yeah, for junior. probably right yeah could this possibly be a uh, sponsor we see for his uh, one-year race he always does darlington right yeah i'm not but, too sure where if he's doing darlington he hasn't this picked year. it yet if i remember correctly won't be surprised if you hear the, any uh, degree commercials actually on uh, the podcast as well. So who else do you think besides Dale will be invited that is not active? I'm going to say Kligerman. Kyle is not coming. Maybe Kligerman. Oh yeah, I Kligerman think, probably, yeah. What I think we could see another junior, or not junior, but uh, Gordon and uh, Boyer. Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer. I bet you Boyer might get it because he's a big dirt guy. Then they could do the in-race reporter kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that went so well with it before. Well, you know, um, Drew Adamson is busy, 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 man. He's got this Pro Invitational. He's got the Indy Pro Invitational. Uh, man, they got to be hopping with the Porsche uh, as well. When is this Pro Race? Is it next week? Uh, the 24th. Okay, so midweek. Okay. All these things are going to overlap. Okay, next, throughput messages are getting updated while running an IRL race, Alan Bros stated in the forums that the entire field was disconnected during the race in what appears to be a glitch in the service. Nicholas Bailey replied that there are some changes coming, not in tomorrow's patch, that should clarify what's happening and why. And he's referring to that message that you see at the top, uh, throughput fell to an unacceptable level. Uh, he's saying they're going to change that to be more descriptive about actually what the issue is, like... Did the server disconnect you? Did you disconnect from the server? And those kind of things. That'll be helpful if people are trying to figure out some of those problems that they're having while they're getting booted. Sometimes you can tell by the way it behaves. Uh, I got I got kicked out of servers twice Monday night, or yeah, was it or was it last night? I don't remember. Um, and or and I noticed that my lag bar would start creeping up sometimes and then sometimes i would notice that the q bar would start creeping up usually if the, the q bar was more like an average and if it once it just got to a certain point you knew the crash was inevitable and you were going to be be sent away plus if every car disappears you know it's you that got booted off and then brian you said there's a way to check uh the logs if this happens to you right yeah so uh christian challenger challenger was um asking people that if that sim cr- you can check in your documents iRacing folder if you see um, .log and .dmp files at the bottom of the format that says simracing 64dxl dot 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 that you can actually send him that line of code and it will help them diagnose some of the problems in there so he was telling people who were part of that crashing to uh, send that file that line in from the documents file and uh, it, it, apparently, they can better decipher what was going on with it. Well, how about that multi-groove update? You guys like that? 
you still wear your tires out if you run uh, too wide for too long, right? But I did know I do know that Atlanta that for part of the part of the run I need to be in one lane and another part of the run I actually do need to be in a different lane. Now I've got a question about this because is it like a PJ one situation or is it just they did something different with the tire model to make it a multi groove? I think they I think they did something different with the track surface model. Okay, it's kind of the result is kind of like PJ one. I, I noticed that Phoenix, I don't know if it was just because of brand new tires and stuff, but the outside line had a lot more a lot more grip than it should have for where you were running. Like the actual NASCAR race was uh, so kind of like acting like it was PJ1. Especially early. You could hang in the outside for 10 or 20 laps. And, it, and it, that was the one place where it didn't really hurt the tires too much to run side by side. But Atlanta, I'll keep catching these guys. I have a really good long run setup. I'll catch the guys, and then they'll want to stay beside you for three or four laps when you've clearly run them down from five seconds behind. They're like, well, it's racing. you got to pass me. But all they're doing is using their own stuff up. In the forums, Manuel Valdez said, uh, quote, Man, I'm just here to say the new update is awesome. I've only done a couple of C-fixed races at Atlanta, but wow. The multi-groove is really fun, and it adds a good amount of strategy in terms of what lines you can run and how it will affect your tire wear. Thank you for putting out this update and making the oval side of the service so much better. And a lot of people agreed with him in the forum threads, and but I've seen it both ways. Um, I like it so far. We'll know what? more at a bigger track. Sorry, we'll know more when we get to different intermediate tracks here that, you know, sometimes don't are just one line tracks because like a track like michigan will be interesting to see yeah looks like we got a one of those endurance races coming up right one of the shorter ones oh no i'm next actually i was ahead on the notes i'm sorry guys i have it pulled up though uh we have a post from susan flint an iRacing staff member and this is kind of interesting considering the aftermath most recent show was kind of diving into the history right well if you'd like a history of all patch notes of all time you can now download them in one single file. Oh, big file. One big PDF, yep. Yeah, it's a it's a 6.5 meg PDF. Now, how I found this is, uh, I forget who, but one of the staff members was saying, the best way to see when iRacing updated the setups for a particular car is to go into this file, do a control F, and do a search. And then look for the most recent change. So it's kind of a neat resource if you're looking for that kind of information. Okay, Gag, do we have another race? Apparently it's peg leg, Greg, or Gag, <laughs> in our chat. Char. Uh, Char, matey. All right, so the BMW Sim GT Cup, uh, Greg West posted up the next event here, uh, which is going to be held on the 21st of March here, which is Sunday at 1300 uh gmt um so they're going to be at silverstone uh it's a 120 minutes uh race license d road um so the sim time will be noon but obviously the race is 1300 gmt 30 minute practice two lap falls and like I said 120 minutes at silverstone grand prix in the bmw m8 gte with an open set to our race, nice. 
I will probably find myself in that race. You think? Yeah, I I enjoy races like that, especially when they're not like the. I can do the six hours, but I like the solo. You know, within the hour to two two and a half hour, uh, just like the majors, it's like an hour and like thirty minutes long most races. So those are pretty easy to run by yourself without getting too tired. Wonder if uh, Morley might run that one too, because he's been running in the M8 now the last couple of days too. And this one also does require two drivers. Oh, it does. Yes. Oh yeah, this is that special event. Yeah, you're right. It is the minimum two drivers. There you go. You guys, you need to hook up. I'd be down for it. Well, I don't know if this next one has anything to do with the uh, the topic we were talking about not that long ago, but uh, Terry Silver's asked if anyone else is being randomly signed out of the UI. Apparently, he was in the middle of a B Open race. The UI popped up, and uh, he was signed out. Didn't receive credit for the race. Yeah, somebody posted a video on the Twitch of it happening. He's just driving along, and boy, that UI pops up. You're logged out, you know, and it he can't see anything or anything. And so uh, one guy said, yeah, it kept happening to me. So I took the UI and drug it over to my left monitor, you know, so it doesn't come up in front of me. But apparently there's several people this has happened to. Uh, Nicholas Bailey said there was a fix a couple of weeks ago that was supposed to, you know, fix this deal, but... Um, I guess they're going to go back and take another look. I guess they kind of have to if they're having this stuff happening. Now, Is this another question. reason not to use the beta UI? Yeah, I got a question about the beta UI because when I first started iRacing, I went straight to the beta UI. I didn't even use the website. I thought it was hard to use. Uh, but now with this wheel I got, you got to use Sim Commander, which directly takes you to the iRacing website and you have to do everything through there. Are they going to plan on kind of eliminating the website for race use? Or what's the plan the there? Plan, yeah. know? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah, curious yeah. what I'm going to have to do in that situation. So whatever the Sim Commander would be a different company that they would Sim probably experience. have to Yeah, to they're going to have to they change would, their stuff. They'll, yeah, they'll change all their stuff. But they're basically, Kyle, this is going to end up being kind of like running like a video game. It's you're basically signing in through the BDUI and it's its own thing now. It's not the web based and that's what they're they're going to. It's kind of basically actually going back to the papyrus software, um, running its own different thing instead of just using uh, the the website that, which is sad because the website is so was so much easier if you've been part of it since the beginning. Yeah, I've been forced to learn how to use it over the last couple of months, and I actually do like it. If you know, don't know what you're looking for, it's real easy to find something, right? Exactly. Listen, I don't know if it's so much easier to use, just you're used to using it. You know, change is, change is scary, but I've been using strictly the UI for the last couple of months, and um, at first it kind of it, it took a bit. It took quite a while, but now I just... I actually uh, almost prefer it over the website. Here's one question. If you have to, if you're going to run IMSA or say, or let's say A Open, because you're, you're mostly oval. If you're going to run an A Open, how many clicks do you have to do to get signed up for a race? There you go. Depending What's on what you have it set up is right. one, right? No, in the UI. In the UI. I know uh, how many like in a website. Five, a dozen, dozens, dozens of clicks mm-hmm. of it is the answer. Any official race, uh, Tony, when, when you jump into it, how many, or even NIS, how do you, how many clicks do you have to do to get get into the NIS race? 
No idea. I have no idea. It's not something I really pay attention to. That's why I, I attribute it to kind of like a video game, right? Like you, you, you just go through the starting menu and you get all your settings and then you load in. It's basically having a start menu, right? I don't find it any more easier or difficult than, than the website. Um, I just, you know, it looks a lot nicer. Yeah. It's definitely getting better than it was when we first <laughs> had it. Oh, yeah. Whatever they do different. with this other in, I want to see what they do with the interface in game with their, or in sim, what they're changing here too soon. Cause uh, uh, I'd like to see how they're, that thing's been that way forever. So I want to see what the in sim is going to change to be too. There are some things that it does do better. It's particularly the uh, setup a hosted race interface is a lot nicer. But um, I still like the fact that it's just click, click, and I'm, I'm in one of my official races by setting up all the bookmarks. So they, they just need to put bookmarks in the game or in the, in the UI so that uh, you can create some, some of your most frequent actions as, as less clicks. The short answer, <laughs> Kyle, to why they're doing all this really is the Google Chrome browser, so to speak, at some point isn't going to allow them to launch sessions the way that it's currently being used um, because for security reasons and that kind of thing. And so they can't make the website HTTPS, which is secure. They have to make it HTTP. And so that's what it's really all about. Oh, you guys are really hung up on clicks. Like, if you did two clicks or five clicks, does it really take that much time out of your day? When you run as many races as me, yes. Okay, well, you are the exception, David. I mean, everybody <laughs> else in this world. <laughs> you just saved him 15 clicks in his day. But like last night, I was, in the, I was setting up for the green-white checkered uh, in NIS, and it was the second green-white checkered. I had to unregister for the for the that race in my, in my virtual desktop and click to register for the the Le Mans race. You could right have never after. done that in the other UI. Yeah. So I actually registered for the race while we were under caution because it it ran over. Now, David, if you want to save time in your day. When you're typing out the messages in Messenger, just type them out and don't have any spell problems and then have to correct because then that's less clicks. There's where you can save some time. No, I just go ahead and leave the misspellings in. We know. Okay. Housekeeping is next. The Aftermath podcast. Get it. You can listen to it while you're clicking that mouse. Uh, don't forget the new website, iracerslounge.com, where we have our show notes. Check that out. And Midwest Simulations has those spotlights that show you uh, who's on the inside and outside. Uh, <clears throat> you can get 10% off if you use the coupon code iRacersLounge. Hey, let me jump in about these uh, spotter lights. I know I've said it. Uh, I've said it before. I've said it a couple times before, but um, both Lisa and I run the spotter lights. Her on her triples with the uh, with the new Pro one. She absolutely loves it. She's like, what? How is this even a thing? Um, I run it in a VR. And, uh, you know, no matter which way you go, whether you're on monitors or VR, you got to have these. Like, it, they're just, they're so precise. They're more precise than, than the spotter in your ear unless you got a live spotter. Cool. All right. And don't forget, we're on the Performance Motorsports Network. I was listening to them today in the browser to try to see if uh, I could hear our show, but they're still out there 24 hours a day, 
uh, putting out great shows. Fantasy. Well, I don't know what's going on with with my picks. Uh, and I am taking a thump in this first part of the season. Um, I did just okay this last week. Uh, had Joey a one, um, I, I would have been sunk. I would have been completely sunk with, with Truex coming coming through for me. Uh, gave me some bonus points and, uh, you know, padded my results a little bit. Uh, lots of other guys are doing uh, a lot better, but you know what? It's, it's still so early. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm I'm okay with the way things are going right now. I've been uh, haven't been using a whole lot of my my heavy hitters, but there again, uh, the way this season's been going, who the heck's a heavy hitter? We haven't really figured that part out yet. But um, looks like uh, GI JoJo is still, you know, rocking that first place spot. He is the guy to beat and. Um, I noticed Res Dogs down in fourth place. Now he was um, he was battling me last year for the lead. Oh, he's uh, he's making a charge up to the front to you know kind of make his name known again. But uh, how'd you guys fare out? I think the hardest part about this year has been is five winners and five races. Like there are you know to get the. Uh, there might be more winners than spots for the playoffs this year. And that's going to be really hard to come by. And I think the point systems are going to be so tight because nobody's, um, nobody's going to run away with it. Like wins. They're not going to be like Kevin Harvick who gets like nine wins in a season and, and moves on. I don't think we're going to see that this year. I think it's going to be very diverse with the winners and um, you're going to have the playoffs turn out to be like, nobody guaranteed to go into the next round real easily. I gained uh, about 10 spots in the standings. I don't know how, but uh, left uh, Brian and Steven back there and where they were in 32nd and 33rd. Well, you know, like I, this has been such a unique, almost unique year. I think it was like, I think I heard like 2017 was the last time we seen, uh, you know, this many winners, um, at this point, but you know, we, we've got Atlanta, so we've got some history. Um, you know, we know the guys that should be fast there, you know, the guys that can save their tires, they're the ones that are gonna, um, you know, definitely make it to the front. You know, there's a lot of talk with, with Harvick being a guy this, this week, but the whole Stuart Haas camp really hasn't done all that well yet. They haven't quite found their stride, but then we got Bristol and, you know, there's what there's another wild card. You know, we've we've got like a bunch of wild cards this year, um, and it's once again it's it's those uses like, uh, you know, who are you gonna play at Atlanta, and then then you got Bristol. Who are you gonna play? How are you gonna play it? Where? I just don't even know anymore. That's that's the problem. I think your two two lineups this next two weeks are going to be completely different because that dirt one is going to be. Is it a wild card? You know, we I've seen some of the announcements this week because you got a guy like, um, sounds like Ryan Newman's going to hop in a truck this week to run a truck start, sorry, at Bristol. Um, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Uh, Kyle Larson's going to be in a truck. Like, there's a bunch of these guys taking 
extra rides to get experience there. So does that, you know, that's got to benefit them for the guys that can't, right? Yeah, and there's going to be a bunch of guys running like the the super late models that are going to be racing there as well. And yeah, it's, it's definitely going to get them some track time, but uh, the cup car is a, a just a totally different beast. Um, you know what? What's the play there? Like, do you you know do you play super conservative, or um, you know do you do you go off uh, how they ran? You know, with their with the trucks or the you know the super late models or um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, I think there's, there, I want to think that there's going to, there, there might be something out of Atlanta that we can take to Bristol, but I don't think maybe, maybe I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. That's, that's probably what's going on. Unless oh, Kyle right Larson right? dominates Atlanta and then goes into Bristol. I think that's your only common denominator or, or, uh, what's his name in the 20 car? Um, Bell, you know, those would be your carryovers between the two races. Like, I don't even know what a guy like, you know, Martin Truex Jr., I don't know how he runs on dirt. Like, has he ever run dirt in his career? Like, there's some certain things that I just, we just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe those, those with patience, because I think it's going to, you know, take some patience at, at, like, at both tracks. Right, like Atlanta, you're trying to save your tires and stuff, right? So you not want to, you know, you don't want to be too crazy. Save those tires for when when they're really going to count. And then Bristol, there's a lot of talk of when that that track wears in, and you know it just becomes a sheen. And you know how how is that going to affect? Is is that you know do you play that patience card there and just kind of kind of wait for that to to happen? And then you can it's kind of just like running just a normal track obviously a little slower but um maybe that maybe there's something there will this computer run iRacing not now it's time for some hardware software and our first item is the gt omega prime review uh, it's got about a 12-minute YouTube video here, and this is uh, represented as an affordable P1X alternative. And as you listen to the review, he never really actually comes out and gives you a conclusion. He just kind of tells you, here's why it's cheaper, here's what you're sacrificing, and then kind of leaves it up to you to decide if you think the trade-off is worth the, this money saved or not. I think so. I mean, $665 with no seat, um that's a good price right for what you can get a sim labs for that's a several hundred cheaper right the question is how much more flex are you gonna kind of be dealing with with it right yeah the uprights don't have the little diagonal braces um but i mean it still looks pretty beefy to me you know uh what do you think brian yeah I think it looks really strong across the base. You know, it's got what four levels uh, of the uh, external on the bottom, level. right? Yeah, that's that's solid. That's like the P1X's, right? Right. So uh, I give it give it some good marks for that. And the uprights are three, are three levels, so that's pretty solid there. Got the a actual- different design on the uh, steering column, but still looks pretty decent. Where you can actually affect the cost of the materials cost is is actually how thick the aluminum is as well, right on the on the inside. Um, you almost that, need to see a cross section of it to to see the, the strength of it. 
they show it. They show a cross section of what they, the difference is, and it's obviously you can definitely tell the difference between the two two uh, makes there. And that's probably where you get that little extra savings. Well, if you're in the in that market, check this video out. It'll give you some good information. And the next time we have the next thing we have in was actually sent by Rico two forty five, Brian. Yeah, he sent in this this video. It's a teaser video from Thrustmaster on YouTube, and it's uh, for the new formula rim which they've been teasing. Um, so it's it doesn't still doesn't give any specs or anything like that. Most of the video is uh, is very uh, silhouetted, so you don't get to see, see the the real full function of it. You can see that it's got the two sets of uh, of uh, plates on it for the uh, shifter plates, um, but really not a whole lot more. Well, um, display and carbon fiber yes, you can you can see that it has a display you're right yeah and then the so, carbon um, fiber look i don't know if it and they show a close-up of it on the second video but almost, it looks like carbon fiber but the close-up when you look at it it actually isn't i think it's like a fake carbon fiber yeah and that's uh from a separate U, uh, youtube video from oc racing he posted a, a video on youtube which kind of like what he thinks he's speculating about the specs on this thing. It's, it's nothing that's been confirmed by Thrustmaster or anything like that, but uh, he kind of dissects what he, he can tell so far and maybe speculates a little bit about some of the functions and, uh, and the button layout on this thing. So um, it's, it's looking like a really promising wheel though. Um, it, it looks very, very nice. Yeah. And From wouldn't it be nice if Thrustmaster stepped up and really challenged fan attack, you know, and, provided very similar product to them and and a price war see we're about what a month out from this release so at some point here we've got to be getting an actual image of it right in the next couple weeks here they got to show what it looks like so they can get some pre-orders more pre-orders and too right you'd think so gotta get some hype behind it to ff or not to ff well this is always an argument um I guess, depending on what you're, you're looking at for the sim. And obviously uh, there's a video um, posted here. I'm trying to find the name of the guy. Uh, Nick Team Nieben. Nieben 5. So he's just basically going over, I guess, his feelings on what force feedback on or off. I, I, uh, I've tried it a couple different ways in my uh experience racing on here i find road racing you can be faster without force feedback on i don't know if it actually is true or just you know sometimes when you're doing those type of things and you're testing it's you're getting to learn you're knowing things better more than you're you're learning the track more and getting faster that way rather than actually learning from the different changes but um i haven't got through this whole video uh did he ever come to a complete verdict on it at the end or was he just explaining so, the differences? Just talking about it, you know, he talked about how a lot of the pros are running low or no force feedback, and and so maybe that says something. I also one of the things that oops, sorry, go Brian. Sorry, one of the things that he did show in the video was showing him going over like uh, bumps in uh, with with force feedback and without and with force feedback you know as you're going over the bump the wheel is spinning as the uh, as the as the feedback hits the wheel but without force feedback he could hold the wheel perfectly steady as he's going over these bumps saying and his conclusion was that you know you have that that won't throw off you can be smoother uh, because you're not 
you're not um your wheels not turning as you hit hit things like that so um that was one of the things that he he thought might help you a little bit and in, in without force feedback so i actually oh go ahead David. Sorry, i actually reduce if i'm actually having a little bit of a problem with a car being loose because of turning the wheel in too much i actually turn the force feedback up so i can't turn the wheel as much and it, and it it prevents me from speeding spinning out so i actually get better handling sometimes with the force feedback yeah i'm like you on that one and i just feel completely lost without the force feedback it's almost like i can just throw the car around too much i have it turned down or turned off the way I was looking at this, and it, this only affects because of obviously sim racing. In real life, you're always going to have force feedback and, and things like that on it. So you never really get to that point in real life where you know you can turn it off and be faster. But, but what they're saying in this video is when you're going over that bump and your wheels register, it, it's reacting to it. You're basically turning the tire a little bit. And what it's doing is it's scrubbing speed. No matter even if it's a little bit of speed, it's scrubbing a little bit because it's moved. So if you turn the force feedback off, you don't have that. So like in real life, if the same drivers went over that bump, there are no matter what, the force feedbacks can obviously do the same thing for that for that person's car. But in the sim world, we can't. You can simulate without it and be faster because you're not you're not scrubbing speed by having the wheel do something that you know you're not wanting it to if you can just keep going straight you're you're not going to lose any time and i think that's down to, i think it's personal preference you look at somebody like carlos fonseca he runs with a freaking controller there's no force feedback so and he he his i rating is five thousand. i mean he's no slouch on the track okay so um you don't need force feedback but i think it helps i had a situation at phoenix where my force feedback would turn off in the middle of the corner and it literally caused me to wreck because I didn't know what to do with the wheel. I, you know, I'm, if you're used to turning the wheel and you feel that pressure, and all of a sudden the pressure's gone, your brain doesn't c compute. And I would just turn the wheel every which way, and I was in the wall. And uh, so, I yeah, I think if you're using it, use it. If you don't, don't. I think the one thing that that you can use force feedback in the sim two to do is is smoothing things out too. Like I don't, some of these tracks where I don't know if you guys remember last year, I think Atlanta was one of them where you'd be going down the straightaway and with some of the builds you'd have um, some of the set builds you would have, you know, it would wander on the straightaway. And I found that if you add more dampening to the, to the wheel base or to in SIM with the force feedback, it would get rid of that because you know, you don't have that dead zone anymore. So it's got its pros and cons. And like you're saying, Mike, it's, it's all preference. And, you know, for me, I like the realism and I'm sure some, most of you guys are more like you like the real feel and of how it is to drive out there. It's, you know, we're not all here trying to be pros, right? No, I'm trying to simulate driving a Delara IR01 and it's this monster jet car underneath you. And I want the force feedback to be hard. You know, I want to feel the, that wall when I smash it at 300 miles an hour, you know? So yeah, I like it high. Force feedback is fun. That's right. Break your hand kind of fun. What else Mike, is fun? Do Mike just style? say he likes to like it high? <laughs> what else uh, is fun? All right. So this, I, I almost don't know what to make of it. 
and it's called the Y'all VR. And uh, Vito Zarpiani, I'm guessing how you pronounce it, uh, posted a video of himself racing in this Y'all VR motion simulator. And what it reminds me of when I look at it, uh, y'all remember those old bamboo round chairs you could get? What it kind of reminds me of, and it's got the full setup for your pedals and everything to be mounted. And this thing just looks wicked in the video when it's moving around as you're racing. Uh, I can't explain it, but it really messes with your eyes watching it. It's the egg rig. We we were talking about this before, but I don't think we really had a good video of it. Or mm-hmm. it, this is a good video of it. You yeah, it, it does look. Uh, it does look usable as a car, you know, driving a car situation. We wondered if you could actually drive with something like this, but apparently you can. Tony, you know, you know what it reminds me of? Obviously, being in Canada, those toboggans where you are the little saucers where you can sit on and go down the hill for stones. Yep. Well, so, yeah, it does look like that, Greg, for sure. Um, and it'll probably spin you backwards too, I guess, maybe. But I like this. I was waiting to see a video of this. This is really, really cool. But what I like the most about this is it's, it's a pretty small footprint for a motion simulator. Yeah, good yeah that's point. what I was. It's basically the size of you know, like a cough, like a little end table type thing. It's not that big. It's a circular footprint. The whole thing moves. The seat, uh, the pedals, the uh, the uh, steering wheel. Of course, he's using VR, so you don't have to deal with monitors, but. I don't know. The movements almost look a little exaggerated, you know, for being on a road car course in a, you know, indie car. But oh, if you go, if you if you click the link and kind of open it up, there's another little side by side, you know, video. Uh, this is still just on Kickstarter, but they've got like a fourteen hundred dollar uh, price tag on this thing. So that's if it stays at that price, that's almost worth you know, kind of giving it a shot. Yeah, that's that's throwaway money. There, let's try it. Comes with a seatbelt and everything. Yeah, I like it. What if you're running around in that black box? Or ah, what a terrible transition. What if you're running around in that VR with the seat and you need to move your black boxes around? Well, that could happen uh, pretty easily. Uh, Alt K is most definitely your friend for uh, you know moving most of those in-game menus around to where you like, and. Uh, he was also asking about like adjusting your mirrors, and I believe that is the F9 button where you can uh, adjust your mirrors and set your force feedback for that particular track. And if you are on triples and you do the Alt-K to move everything around, there is a thing in the app INI that you can switch that will allow you to move it off of the center monitor to your left and right monitor. But you got to flip that switch in the app INI first. I wonder if they could ever get it to where you could get it out of the freaking spot. And like VR, it sits in such a, it's locked in a, an area. I wonder if you could ever get it to put it off to the side. Because uh, sometimes when you're in sim in VR, it's, it's that they can be in some bad areas, and especially the top of the screen. Okay, next and final, uh, Don't Leave Me Hanging. I love that title. Extreme Sim Racing USA shows a rig setup with a ceiling-mounted PC and triple monitor mount. Brian, we were just ogling over this thing. Uh, first of all, the, no footprint on the floor because all the triple stuff is literally hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting set, setup there. Um, 
I imagine it's a little harder to mount than most uh, most of the rigs uh, that uh, we work on, where you just build them from the ground up. This is real building from the ceiling down. But once it's in place, you know, it looks like it's uh, pretty steady. Um, the computer's up pretty high, so hopefully, you know, you might need a stepladder to to plug stuff in and, and stuff like that. And running wires up to it probably would might be a little tricky. But um, once it's in place, it, it's a pretty nice setup. And it, it it does free up a lot of floor space around the around where your rig is. Teammate Bobby Jonas would have a have a field day with these wire management on this. It is not very all good. All the wires are hanging, right? The uh, when I first looked at this, when you first look at this, if you really want to describe it, it reminds me of when they're on the ship in the Matrix, and. They're, it, when they all get plugged in, it kind of reminds me like that. And the, the one guy's working from the table. He's got the monitors in front of him. It just looks kind of like that whole setup. But I've never seen hanging from the roof. I don't know if I – hopefully you mount it really sturdy, <laughs> sturdily so it doesn't fall down from the roof. Make sure you hit a stud. Uh, but So to describe this setup. for the audio listeners, it's, it's, a, it's a regular triple monitor mount stand floor stand and he's literally just turned it upside down and hung it from the ceiling and it's hanging upside down and then he's got the triples and then he's got the fourth monitor but obviously it's hanging below where the triples would normally be you know and then he's got the computer on a little platform up above that it's really unique i wonder if he had to retrofit any of that stuff to get that mod those monitors to flip the other way like obviously the mounts will be okay but to get that top one to be the where it is i wonder if you had to modify it at all one. okay next is results the nascar iRacing series let's talk about and finish up phoenix uh friday open i was wrecked out i ended up being the first caution when i spun by myself after coming from 20th up to 8th. It was not much damage, uh, came from 27th back up to 5th. Then running 5th, uh, <clears throat> I was going by Jonathan Dickert and he actually got me. He had a nice apology though, um, but uh, I'm in the back again. Coming out of turn four and the force feedback stops, I mentioned that. The wheel turned to jelly in my hand. I don't know what to do with myself and wreck the car. Now I'm dead last uh, for five minutes damage, just riding around getting lapped, and somebody goes on the high side of me and dumps me into the wall. Uh, this was after a drive-through penalty for too many incidents. It was like the worst race I've had all year. Greg, P2. Yeah, it was, uh, I described this race as, what did I say, a top, I was in the top five for the whole race. Um, and for once the setup, um, I felt like, when I would go down pit road, put some tires on it and made a couple adjustments to it, it, you know, it was reacting to what I was thinking adjustment wise that I wanted to do. And I got faster and faster and I just kept, the thing about Phoenix is you gotta keep the track position. I qualified up front and I just wanted to stay up there. So I did everything I possibly could. I fought in the restarts harder than I normally fight because that track is so wide. You can lose a lot of positions going going into the, one of the corners, especially on the restarts. and um, But yeah, the P2 was uh, well-deserved, I guess, with just getting faster over the race with the adjustments and uh, 
what a great set that Adam uh, got us for that too. Tom got to run uh, Friday as well. He had a P16 after qualifying 11th. He ran top five for the first half before getting involved in a crash after a restart where he had a lot of damage. And then he said he was looking forward to Sunday. And then I uh, finished P11 in top split. I, uh, I was excited to, to run up there, not well, run well in the top split uh, after what's been kind of a slow start to the season for me. So kind of hoping it's turning around. And Tony Rochette said, it's okay, Mike. They wrecked on a restart with 14 to go, and I got meatballed. And so I had a bad race. Tony had a bad race. Uh, Adam, he got eighth place, top split, finish, baby. Uh, I think he said that's his top first top 10 of the year. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. And um, it was not my first. It was not with my first top 10. Where did I get a top 10? But it wasn't that week. I think it was the week before. Or the Wednesday, Phoenix, I actually got a top 10. But I had actually gotten a top 10 at Watkins Glen. Not Glen, the road, Daytona Road. But yeah, he was excited. He said he was excited to finish in front of me because he hadn't been finishing in front of me, even though he still has a higher eye rating. Okay. Sunday, uh, same thing, P11. I was in, I missed 10th by inches. I, uh, we had a green flag stop, actually. It was, uh, again, the set was real good on the long run. Tom had a P7, ran decent all race. He messed up on the final two laps to lose one position and was pretty excited to take that top 10. Kyle, you uh, had a P something. Uh, yeah, I, I ran top 10 for, well, basically the first 99 laps and then uh, fifth and sixth place, which were uh, just a spot and two ahead of me. Got into each other going into turn three and I dove down low and it was too late. Uh, the guy was in P5 just got taken out and shot right down to the inside and took me out with him. So I had a really strong car up until that point. So it was just unfortunate. Okay, Sunday fixed. I ran P4. Got in two different incidents early, about 15 down on the horsepower. There was 45 seconds damage. I got that fixed and came up from the back to top five. Ran there to the end. I had nothing for the leaders though, but Man, that was a fun race. Uh, running with you, Brian, uh, you got P5. Yeah, um, started in the back. Um, my, my goal was just to stay away from all the nonsense, and there was plenty of it. Uh, we had uh, 18 cautions in that race. It was a slugfest, uh, and it, it was pretty much all over-aggressive driving. Um, for example, um, I, we were headed in the turn, I'm going to say turn three. It's the, the, the banked turn because you don't want to get it confused because the turns are different between iRacing and NASCAR. But um, So I was heading into turn three. Uh, a car was coming fast behind me. I let him take the bottom line. I gave him a, la uh, a lane and a half or so. And he just couldn't hold the, he couldn't hold it down there he he threw it in there too fast you know came right across my hood um i was able to keep it straight but you know that that's just the kind of thing that causes 18 cautions in a 150 lap race and it's it's just uncalled for it's kind of ridiculous but um you know just pace being patient and you know giving people room to to wreck and uh, avoiding it when they do uh, it'll get you a top five in some of these races and that's what happened to me I think Stephen Allen ran with us, and he also wrecked out. All right, uh, let's move on to Atlanta. Uh, Wednesday Open, David, P14. Yeah, this is one that I just kind of handed a really good finish away. Uh, I started 28th, 
and drove all the way up to 13th in, within, in, within 40 laps. The car was just insanely good after the first five laps, but it wasn't good in the first five laps. Even, even running the high line, which would stabilize it just a little for five laps, it could get loose on you. And on a restart with 44 to go, it snapped just enough if now if i had been on the track by myself i probably would have recovered it but i had a car you know running running close on the inside and i i got just loose enough that it put, took me across his nose and finished me off fortunately it didn't really hurt him but it did in my day um however it didn't in my day because i then uh drove around got the wave around got the lucky dog and a lot of people died on the on the final second green white checkered and uh, finished 14th with it, with like 1,700 RPMs. It shows you to you know hang in there and finish, and you can still finish in the top half, even when things go wrong sometimes. Kyle, you showed why we added you to this team, P5. Yeah, started out uh, qualified uh, P11, and we got two early cautions within the first 10 or so laps of the race. After that, we went green flag. Uh, I mean, I started losing count of the laps. It felt like it was never going to end. And uh, I fought my way all the way up to P4. Uh, I kind of held back for the first uh, probably 15, 20 laps, taking it easy, and then used that to my advantage to start making up some time uh, and position up on the track. We went into pits on the final pit cycle under green, came out with about a half a lap, and they threw a caution. Uh, so I cycled back around out of eighth to go up to, I believe it was P6 or P5, and battled back and forth with a few guys and finally finished up with a P5. Nice run. I got a P6. I had some early damage and early caution. Ended up in the back, but worked my way up. And green flag runs that were well over 100 laps, but it did cycle out in my favor to a P6. Every time we went through a green flag cycle, I gained spots. And... Um, that just worked out, and um, man, I'm happy with a P6. Tony Rochette wrecked. Good long run, was riding, running down fourth with 24 to go, and just throttled it into the wall. And uh, Tony had some problems uh, speeding on pit road, and he's got to figure that out. <clears throat> um, all right, so yeah, the next day, which was today, this morning, uh, we both Tony and I ran again. Uh, I wrecked out. I actually had a good run going, and I came clear from the back. Uh, I was up in the maybe seventh or eighth or something. Uh, a guy on the outside of me killed the wall, and this came right across into me, and I couldn't even miss it. You know, it was just one of those things. Uh, Tony, uh, he got wrecked. He went down down a lap on a green flag stop by speeding. This is where he was speeding. He did get his lap back via a wave around, uh, and then on a restart, uh, they. They wrecked in the front, and I zigged to the right into the wall while P8 uh, Gerg, he says. Let's talk official. As I mentioned, I ran uh, Week 13 Delara IR01 Battle of the Little Wings. I actually ran two and wrecked out. It was really, really, really hard with the slower cars out there, but that actually made it really, really fun to try to pick your way through them. Uh, man, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Every, everyone who ran that had a great time. And then uh, once the week uh, started after week 13, I ran the Watkins Glen in the same car, uh, official. I probably did 20 practice laps and then started the race. There were six people only. I qualified fifth and wrecked on the first lap. Tanner McCullough from iRacing staff was in the race with us. 
and he actually gave us some tips about the tire compounds. You actually have to pick medium, soft, or hard in the setup screen. Whatever tires you qualify on or the tires you have to start on. So we were changing after, like we were going soft for qualifying and trying to switch to medium for the race, but he indicated that doesn't work. League, Pacific Majors, David. Yeah, we had the Lotus 79 at Long Beach, and I felt really good about this track, but I, I made a mistake early, picked up a little damage, and it was a lot worse than I thought it was. And I didn't think it was that bad because I still ran a couple of fast laps, but it was apparently causing tire wear. And by the time we were 20 laps in, I was the slowest, and it just, uh, just the slowest and finished last place. You know, kind of demoralizing. And then Tom got the sprint race of P33, crashed early. Main race, P21, ran what I could. We started 50 cars on track. I didn't know that well with guys who were way fast at road than me, but Richie finished second and third. Fast track sim racing uh, league, I ran P5. Man, I had fun. Now that doesn't tell the story of the race. I came from the back actually and ran top five most of the race. I led some laps with about 30 to go and actually had a great battle for the win with eventual winner Tyler Marble. I actually ran my tires off trying to hold him off. Uh, Tom uh, Dryling was right behind that uh, to witness that battle and he, he told me I gave him a good run but uh, that Tyler Marble has some talent for sure and I actually offered him uh, a spot on the team immediately because of that win but uh, but his dad said we couldn't have it. Tom Dryling ended up finishing P2 uh, to Tyler. He started 17th. Man, I can't qualify. Ran to the top five. Got some major right front damage before the last stop. Was able to work up to second. Didn't have anything for the win with the damage to his car. Yukora, IndyCar. Yeah, we were at Road Atlanta, and this was the first time that Scott got to use the, the caution X counter feature to, to choose when cautions got thrown. We had two cautions, uh, and they both really kind of played to my benefit because they came out right before I was about to pit. It just it just worked out, and a lot of people made mistakes, and I didn't finish P6. I skipped that one because it's a road course. Premier Race Network Cup. Tom Dryling P19 qualified fourth. Was running third on lap 50 when my power dropped. It came back, but I lost a couple laps. And finally, hosted. I ran uh, P3 at Michigan in the Chris McGuire room with the IndyCar. I love those Chris McGuire hosted races. There's always, a, it's like 15 laps and you have to pit for gas in the middle of it. Uh, but the, the stupid pit stop for gas actually lost me the race. Uh, the winner was just way quicker getting in uh, to pit road than I was and there's just no catching them after that. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, with that, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Well, guys, uh, sitting upstairs uh, next to the door that I have to take with me tomorrow is a box with my VR headset in it because it ain't working. 
So um, I talked with somebody with tech support at HP, and uh, I'm sending it back. They're sending me a new one. Um, it just loses connection. It won't, the computer won't recognize it. Um, I did all the updates they asked me to do, and uh, they think there's something wrong with that headset. So uh, sending it back. I'm going to be out a little while waiting for that thing to come back. So I'm kind of bummed out right now. Are you going to set up a monitor, or are you just going to wait it out? Um, I'm probably just, just going to wait it out. Uh, I don't really have a monitor that I can fit in front of my rig that would make it conducive to racing. Where my uh, monitor is right now, it's just too far away from where, where I sit to really make it work while, worthwhile. Did you get rid of your other VR? Now, that one uh, that one broke before I got this one, so uh, that one That's was falling apart. Yeah, I had like a little stretch there where I had to wait to get the new one. Unknown USB device was the error, right? Um, it said actually said the device has malfunctioned oh. when you put when you plug it into a USB port. Okay, be patient, David Hall. Final thoughts. We have a lot of flesh, bleh, flesh. We have a lot of fresh blood. Don't you love my gaffes? Uh, we have title a lot of fresh name. blood. It's it's nice, yeah. Definitely title name. Just so um, everyone knows, he types as he speaks too. Yes, it's just. Uh, my, it's how my brain is broken, pretty much. Now it's nice to see all the new members. It's it's a it's kind of giving the chat a nice un unstale presence. We're so I'm enjoying it. Welcome Kyle. Welcome AJ. Welcome back Morley and Joe. Big pack of people we have now. Yeah, we added four and lost one, but I I like the changes, David. Like you said, it's energized us. Change energizes us. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, well, it, it was nice to, uh, I'll reiterate on what you just said there, Mike, having these new new faces uh, coming in and some of the old faces coming back uh, between Joe and Morley there coming back and Kyle and AJ. Um, this is probably one of the more, if anyone watches the beginning of this show on the broadcast <laughs> on Twitch or YouTube, apparently Facebook's down, but uh, I didn't realize Evan was going to sign on with his camera, so everything got jumbled up there and screwed up at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, kind of sorted it out near the uh, end of Kyle's uh, interview. But uh, yeah, things that are going on in the background here, well, I'm just uh, trying to run this podcast uh, as a broadcast. So, But I look forward to racing this week at Atlanta, and I think David and I got to race it for MTech this weekend at uh, Nürburgring. Okay, and Tony Gross, final thought. Well, I haven't been doing any racing, working too darn much, but we did have an Aftermath podcast uh, on the weekend, and that was a lot of fun, uh, you know, kind of looking back at, you know, how the Aftermath guys, uh, you know, started with the with the main show podcast, and um, it was a little, you know, fun little trip down memory lane, and then I also you know, uh, debuted a, a button box, which, you know, right away, Tony Rochette was all over. So um, I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to come up with, with uh, what he's going to put in his button box for the, uh, for the next episode that we do. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, zippy and the squirrel. Uh, I got a feeling. 
Yeah, great episode. I loved uh, personally hearing the history of the show. Um, I, I usually don't think about the past much, so it was neat to hear you guys and what you thought about the first time you were on, and it kind of brought back some memories for me as well. So, yeah, thanks, Tony. Great show. Did you happen to have eggs for breakfast? No. Okay, and then Kyle Pendigraft, uh, thanks for joining the team and uh, being our special guest and and uh, continuing uh, a host for the show. Wh- what are your final thoughts? Uh, my final thought, actually, is I just want to thank all of you all for uh, allowing me here on the team. I appreciate it. Uh, hope I make you all happy and proud, and I look forward to every week. All right, we're happy to have you. Okay, my final thoughts. Um, Man, my wheel, I think I finally got it resolved. I've been having problems where the force feedback would stop in the middle of the turn or the pedal, the pedals or uh, the shifting paddles would stop working and the buttons would stop working and I couldn't shift out of fourth gear and just nonsense. And so I've been following a Facebook group uh, called High high-end sim equipment or something like that and there were several people in there that had the issue and one guy said he contacted fanatech fanatech told him to update the drivers and the firmware to fix it so i decided i'll do it and i did and it wasn't easy but uh basically what happened is it wouldn't install the firmware if the graphics card was running so i had to base basically reboot and disable the graphics card and have no video I use my phone to remote into the computer, do the firmware update, then reinstall the NVIDIA graphics to get it fixed. But it's fixed and it's ran perfectly ever since for like three days in a row. So knock on wood, I got it fixed. Uh, Other final thought is uh, so happy to have another P6 two weeks in a row at NIS. Uh, Feeling good, I'm finally turning turning the corner there on the luck. And uh, man, that Delara IR01, I didn't realize how much fun I was missing by not driving that car. I am not a road guy, and I don't write, like road courses necessarily, but man, I love driving fast cars. And uh, you guys just gotta try it, I, you're, it's unbelievable. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.